It's the fight, y'all. It's the fight, y'all. Staying strong, know you belong. It's your anthem, sing this song. It's the fight, y'all. It's the fight, y'all. Staying strong, know you belong. It's your anthem, sing this song. All right, this past, this past Sunday, we started a new series called The Fight. And for you, those who are out there at Facebook land, yes, I do have my gloves on. I love putting my gloves on. I think I'm going to buy a pair just because I enjoy putting them on. My wife will think I'm crazy, but she knows me. I'm a little bit crazy. And so growing up, I enjoyed watching Rocky Balboa. Growing up, it was something about Rocky, you know, because when I was growing up, and we as Italians, as I mentioned last week, uh, we didn't have such a great image being mafioso. But then when Rocky came, he brought something for the Italians because he brought some kind of, kind of a humbled individual who was willing to take on a fight against the champion. And, uh, and so when you look at all the different storylines that uh, Rocky Balboa brought just from Sylvester Stallone working on the movies, he did bring forth a character um, that would even each one of us would even learn from in some capacity. But the fight is deeper than that. The fight is for each one of us in Christ. Have you ever felt like you uh, went to prayer and you felt like your gloves were on? Have you guys ever felt that whenever you go to prayer in the Lord and you, your gloves got to be on? Any of you? Help me out. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay, because that's what it is. It's the fight. You got to set up. You got to have your balance, your rhythm. You got to have your core set. Your feet got to be set. You got to be able to get your hands up and ready to use some of that power in the hip to be able to move around and pull away from your opponent, but be able to get jabs in when necessary. So when we're boxing and just in the sport, just in the physical, how much more are we fighting? How much more are we entering into a relationship with God and saying, are we going to fight or not? And I got to be honest with you, I feel empowered just putting these things on. I mean, it's like, wow. But, uh, but that's what the fight is all about. That's what we're talking about here in our relationship with God. We want to talk about how important it is because the enemy, he's going to do only one thing. He's going to, he's going to come after us. He's going to keep pounding and pounding and pounding and pounding and pounding until he can penetrate our minds. And that's what we talked about last week. He plays mind games. He tries to confuse the believer to thinking that they don't know who they are in Christ. And if even though he knows he'll lose the fight, He'll keep pounding and pounding and pounding. Get his, he'll get his punches in. And last week we talked about knowing our contender, understanding our contender. Not that our contender has much on us, but still we have to know that he's around. But this week we want to talk about knowing how to counterpunch. So we know we have a contender, but as we're in the ring, we have to know how to counterpunch. We have to know what our punch is. One of the things that I loved when I was watching Rocky and each one of them, he would have a plot and a character and he would have an evil person or bad guy. He, he had someone who was playing the bad guy, Apollo Creed or Dragoff or Clubber Lang. And each one of them, even a young man in Rocky V. And then the, the last one was, I believe there was, one, there was another individual who was in, in the Rocky Balboa version of 2006. But some of them throughout each of his movies... He would set it up, and he would have where he would be the underdog. And do you call of all those scenes where he was training, and he was getting ready, and he was preparing, and there were the things that he did that were just amazing, whether it be in the mountains of Russia, although filmed in Canada, but in the, and, and in Russia, and here he was 
fighting a big enemy, one that was stronger than ever. The power of his punch was 1,850 per square inch. And the normal human being would be 750. So here in the plot, in the movie plot, he had to prepare to know that his best friend just passed away in the ring. And he had to have the, have the fight of his life. But he trained. He trained throughout each of the Rockies. And you would see those scenes. And he'd catch the chicken, you know. Or he would pick up the wagon with three people in there. Paulie in there and the trainer and his wife. And he picked up estimated five, 600 pounds. But he was strong. He worked out hard. He trained out. He prepared for his fight. And some of the things that I can see just, just looking at the movie, he knew his opponent was dangerous. He didn't take his opponent for granted. He studied his opponent's strengths and weaknesses. He trained his offense and his defense for the fight. There were key words in there, stamina and balance and rhythm, not only in the ring but in his life because Adrian always seemed to show up. With the talk, you know, the talk in Rome, Rocky Three and the talk in Rocky Four, And it was the wife who came with strength. But it was him who had the strength to fight in the ring. How much more we in Christ need to do the same thing? How much more do we need to know our opponent is dangerous? That our opponent, we can't take him for granted and just push him aside like he doesn't exist. We, we have to study the strengths and weaknesses. And we have to be able to know that we have an offense and a defense. That's why we have the armor of God. And we want to talk about that today. And then we have to know we have to have stamina and balance and rhythm in our walk with God. So it's important to understand that when we're working through all that, we have to grasp that. You know, Rocky Balboa said this, as I said last week, it ain't how hard you hit. It's how hard you hit. It's how hard, how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. So it's not about just how hard you can hit back, but you got to know the equipment. You have to know the armor that you and I have in Christ and be able to do that and be able to stand up and have the stamina to fight. You know, last week we talked about the book of Ephesians and the backdrop of this study in these couple of weeks. And one of them is that we have to understand is that the church started with a husband and a wife, Priscilla and Aquila, and then established by Paul in the third missionary journey and he pastored for three years to the people in Ephesus and then handed it over to Timothy, one whom he discipled for 18 months. And the primary goal for Timothy was to defend the truth, the doctrine, the teaching of the apostles from their opponents, the false teachers, remembering that false teachers present a portion of this truth. They speak half-truths, just like the enemy, he speaks half-truths. And yet, they twisted the truth to meet their criteria and religious ideas. And so their ideas were established, as in 1 Timothy 1.4, it says, through fables and endless genealogies. And they presented it in a way that would entice you, kind of get your emotions, thinking of how you would actually think, yeah, that's true. You know, they're right. That does happen. I have experienced that before. They even went so far as Satan would work through these false teachers and grab, and, or Satan would work through and touch these false teachers that there were elders in this church in Ephesus. The two that were mentioned in chapter 1 of 1 Timothy that became these false leaders, these false teachers, and began to entice other believers and pull them away from the church. See, Satan knows that even though if he doesn't win, he could at least, if he can get the elders, then a church can fall. 
And so it's important that we do not live in this. We, we don't live in a downhearted, dejected way. We shouldn't live defeated. We have to be ready to fight. We're in the ring. The Lord's given us everything we need. We have the power in Jesus' name, but it's whether we know how to use it. And that's what we hope to learn even a little bit today. Let me ask you a couple of questions. Do we ask our spouses to dress us? Before you all say yes, there was a few people in the 9 a.m. service said yes. <laughs> they, Come here, honey, help me put on my pants. I mean, you know, but we all know how to dress ourselves, right? I don't go, or, I don't go to Joy and say, hey, honey, can you help me with my pants? Now, maybe someday I will, but that's all part of being in the marriage. It's commitment. But right now, it's the pants and the shirt. And, you know, sometimes I do mess up and I put my shirt on backwards. And I remember one time I put a shirt on and my son goes, Dad, it's inside out. I'm like... Oh, dag, I didn't even know. And I took it, I had to go upstairs and take it off and put it back on because sometimes we do, but for the most part, we don't. What about this? Do we go to work unaware of our expectations? Do we, you know, do we go to work when we've been trained in a certain area? We went to school, we've experienced it, we know how to do what we do with theory and practice. Do we go to work not sure? Um, because if you are, don't tell your boss you may lose your job next week. So, I mean, you don't, you don't want to go in that manner. But how about this? Do we wake up in the morning? Do we wake in the morning as a victor or a victim? You might be pessimistic, cynical, or overly optimistic. But where do you live? Where, where is your home? Where is I called a sweet spot? Are you stuck as being a victim? Or do you, grow, you know, get up in the morning saying, there's victory. There's victory every day, whether I feel it or not. And that's what our hope is in Christ. That's why we have to. So as we think about our counterpunch and our contender, we need to understand that we have one. And our contender's coming out after us. He's pounding and pounding and pounding and pounding. But we have a counterpunch to come back. We're going to talk about that now. But we counterpunch our contender by looking at, it, at the book of Ephesus, or Ephesians, and at the church of Ephesus. And we, we know one of them is being confident of our core being confident of our core. Let me ask the question, what are you referring to with the core? Well, let me just, let me mention this here. We'll talk about that for just a moment. But let's look at Ephesians chapter 6, verses 13 and 14. We're going to work through three verses today. And I'm going to stop here because verse 13 is a verse that is almost repeated again from verse 11. But the word therefore, now if you're reading there, it says therefore. Let's stop there for a second because it's, you always ask the question, you know, why is that word? It's there for something, right? But that's not really what it's saying here. It's, in the Greek, it's for this reason. And it's actually going back to verse 12. So if we're to look at verse 12 and see that, it says this, which I didn't touch on last week. But it says... For a fight is not against, or a wrestling is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Now, we are in the heavenly places. If you're in Christ, you're in a heavenly realm, in a heavenly place, and you're fighting in that heavenly realm. So the enemy is there. And what we see here is that our fight is not against flesh and blood. It's not against one another. It shouldn't be. Like I said last week, if you're on a football team, and can you imagine the front linemen are sitting there blocking each other? 
rather than blocking the person in front of him, that's a defensive lineman. And if they were doing that, or if a basketball player is sitting there, he's trying to bring the ball up to the court, and he's bringing it to try to get a basket, and his, one of his players takes the ball from him and gives it to the other team. I mean, you don't, we don't work that way. We're on a team together, working together. And so that's the key component here. He's trying to say, for this reason, you have an adversary, one who's coming after you. But see, in verse 12, you have to understand whether you appreciate Satan or not, and I hope you don't, but if, one thing you can is that you see that in verse 12, there are authorities and powers. There's a plan and a structure and a strategy. And he's set there because all he thinks is that, I'm going to keep pounding and pounding and pounding and pounding and pounding. Even if I'm not going to win, I'm going to keep pounding. Because if he can break our influence on the world, if he can stop us from making a difference in the world around us or to one another in Christ, that's all he has to do. That's all he has to do. Get us focused on ourselves. Get us focused on material things. Get us focused on the things that matter to us, but not getting focused on the things that matter in Christ. Meaning, God calls us to die to self. God calls us to die to self and to live for him. And so to do that, it's important to understand that this is the reason why he says, therefore. Hovering back to the fact that Satan is there always ready to pound at us. And then on, moving on into the verse, therefore take up the whole armor of God. Now understand this, take up is an important word. 97 times in the Septuagint, which is the Greek version of the Old Testament, 68 times in the canonical books. And in the Hebrew, it gives the idea of taking up weapons, putting on or girding on your weapons. And here's where it is. That word take up right there, that phrase is in the aorist active. We've talked about the passives last week in this form of the Greek, but the active means is that you and I have a responsibility to take upon the armor of God. Not that we will do it in our strength, but we're to take upon the armor of God. So that active form is saying we have to be in training. We got to know what we're doing. We got to know how to use our equipment, our armor. I want to tell you something. I've maybe shot a couple of guns in my life from skeet shooting, as I mentioned to you before, but I don't have any training in any kind of gun, pistol, 90, you know, any kind of gun. But I'll tell you, you do, I don't want to carry a gun next to, a holster right next to my side because I wouldn't know what to do with it. I would need to be trained, right, Ryan? I would need to be trained appropriately. I want to make sure that I would have to go through a training process and then pass the course before I could even use a gun appropriately and be able to hold it on my side. But I'll tell you, that's the idea. We have to take up what we know, but we got to know how to use our armor. And that's what Paul is saying here. See, would our military put any soldier out in battle without being properly trained in artillery or in strategy, understanding what is ahead of him or her? I don't think so. Their best has been uniquely trained, special ops teams for special cases. Soldiers need to be properly equipped for engagement. So how is it different for us? If God has provided an armor we need to know how to use it. We can't sit there in the ring and ready to fight and go, uh, is that okay, Satan? I just want to hit you just once and, oh, don't hit me back. And you start running. You can't do that. You can't run to the corner and hope you can run out of the arena. That doesn't work. 
But God has called us that we have everything we need to be in the ring, strong, confident, bold, because we have the power of Christ in us, and we're rested in it and standing in it. And that's what Paul's using military terms from the first century, but he's also using it from a wrestling ring, or you can use it in boxing, because it's an athletic term there in the Greek as well, to fight the good fight. So we have to practice, train, make every effort to get our balance and our rhythm for the fight. Stand on our toes, ready to go. Get our hands up, hands up. You got to do it. Not keep your hands down and just cower in the corner. And say, oh, please, oh, please, oh, please, go away, Satan. No, oh, please, oh, please, oh, please. And you, and you knock your shoes three times. It's no place like God keeping me away from Satan. There's no place like God keeping me away from Satan. No, he's there. When you open your eyes, he's going to still be there around, lurking, enticing you. He's an adversary. He's going to keep pounding and pounding and pounding your mind because he wants to do that. We can't push him aside. When we come to Christ, we're in the ring because it's a fight. And so understanding that will gain confidence when we get to know how to use all of that. But here in verse 13, it says that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Now, that verse again, that passage, that phrase, so that you may be able, that's a purpose clause in the Greek. And what that means is that there's a purpose of what we can do so that you may be able to fight. But the able's in a passive, which means it's not our strength, it's God's strength. So when you're fighting in there and you don't feel like you can fight, you don't have the strength, that's when we turn to the Lord and say, God, I need you to give me strength. And so the idea is in that passive form, it's saying, God, you need to do this through me. The word withstand, to be resistant to power is what it means, to resist. So when James says, submit to God and resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Submit to God, though. So we need to surrender to God because it's his power through us, through Christ. So we can withstand it. It's, it's a military term that means to hold one's ground. It's a defensive mechanism. And the evil day is, there are five different views on this, but I'll give you the view. It means the entire span of a believer's life, especially even in critical times and seasons. And then there's a word there that says, having done all. And that word means to do or to accomplish, but it gives the idea of overcomer. It gives the idea of overcame. And you and I have that ability to overcome through the power of Christ if we simply just stand firm. Stand firm against and resist the enemy. We have it. We stand strong. We stand tall. Our shoulders back. Our head is up. And that's what we have to do. So now he goes from verse 13 to verse 14. He goes from the word stand firm at the end of verse 13, which is an infinitible clause, which is infinitive. And it goes to now stand in verse 14, which is an imperative. So now what he's saying is now take after the armor of God and you need to do it. It's not an option. So in Christ, it's not an option. It's not an option to run back to your corner and run out of the arena. There's no other option but to stand because you have everything. I have everything that we need for the fight. It's so important for us to understand that. And so what does he go on? He says, stand there for having fastened on the belt of truth. This is the core. You know, when we talk about core and boxers, where do they mostly get punched at? Well, majority of the time they get, it's in the head, but it's in the body, in the core area too. It's in the stomach. And the core is essential 
to not simply fight. Now, when I'm fighting, if someone punches me right now, I'm going down. I'm just going down. My core is awful right now. It's awful in so many ways. I'm embarrassed to even stand up here half the time. But here's the thing, though. But if I look strong enough, maybe you don't put your, you know, you don't see the, the image here. But here's the thing. But if I have a strong core and I work out hard and I'm working and training and working on it all the time, go ahead, punch me. Or if I'm in a fight, I'm still standing. I'm still standing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I'm standing. I'm standing, right? But if I have a bad, if my core is bad, I'm going down. I'm going down. Because here's the thing. A core is essential. The core is essential. I looked up in, uh, online and a fitness instructor said that the core is, uh, the, is the, of the body is like a pillar of strength. It's similar to the huge, strong column of a ton of weight as a beam is across it. A durable, strong, and efficient core ensures optimal static and dynamic stability. In other words, a strong core as a strong centered alignment for the body. This is where movement will take place. If the body is a wheel, he said, the core is the hub and the limbs are the spokes. So what's the core of the believer? I believe it's right here, 1 Timothy 3.15. If I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar, a buttress of truth. So the word pillar is a person or community recognized for spiritual leadership. So that's the pillar, the strength, when we're better together, strong, unified, so we don't fight against one another. See, our fight is not against flesh and blood. It's directly against the enemy, and we got to come together in prayer. When our brother or sister's down, we pray. When our brother or sister's down, we help them, we encourage them, we build them up. We don't pressure them and fight against them or get them to do what we want them to do. So this truth, the word truth there is the content of what is true, but also the content of our faith. And that content is the person and work of Jesus Christ. We even see it in other verses. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So the word of God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, is speaking in the inner being, revealing to us the things that we're not able to fight on our own. The, the, the God, the Holy Spirit, he's working in us through the power of Christ. And then we have another one that's a reminder. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. All scripture is breathed out by God. I mean, the Holy Spirit is breathed out, and so it's coming from God here on paper, but it's a word, or a word that's written as special revelation to us and profitable for teaching, for reproof. For correction, so to call us out, but to correct us, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So we can't be equipped if we don't know how to use the armor of God. We have to understand that that's part of our equipment and what is in the armor of God. Because see, the truth, the word of God reveals that which is necessary through the power of the Holy Spirit. The truth is reliable, trustworthy, faithful, and it finds its source in the Lord. And the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, when a person submits to God, transformation happens. 
confession of sin, forgiveness of sin. Prayer comes and we bear our hearts before God and he's transforming us and changing us and he's getting us to focus on ourselves rather than on others and recognizing that we, focusing on our sin, we confess our sin to God and saying, God, work on me first. Someone else is not the problem before it's me. And so it's important to see that God is doing that work. And the core of our true core of us and our body of Christ is the word of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. Two, we have this. We counterpunch our contender by being courageous in our righteousness. We're courageous in our righteousness. Being courageous in our righteousness. Look what he says here. He not only said the belt of truth, but he also says having put on the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate is certain equipment that a soldier would put on in the time of first century. It was a protective covering for the chest in combat. Um, They would cover to protect themselves from their opponents who would potentially try to kill them. And right up in this area, but just some facts on the breastplate. It's the first thing the opponent would see of the Roman soldier. It was shiny. It was, the soldier would take good care of it. He would condition it, make sure that it, the metal was strong. The breastplate also covered the top of the neck almost all the way down to the knee. And it would go from front to back to cover and protect. The breastplate could weigh 40 to 75 pounds. Can you imagine carrying that around in the heat of the day? There was the COVID-20, not the COVID-19 that we carried for a little bit. Um, I carried some COVID-20 plus, and so I'm trying to bring down that to a regular just weight somewhere, somewhere go down lower, but I can't imagine carrying 40 to 75 pounds around extra. I'm already doing some of that right now. It consisted of metal and brass when a soldier was battling in the afternoon sun. The sun's reflection would blind the enemy, so it was used more for offense, but the breastplate covered the vital organs of the body, the heart, the lungs, and the chest. Here's the key. When a soldier had his breastplate secured and fitted secured, he was able to move comfortably and confidently with courage, not worrying about him being distracted, worrying about, oh, oh got to get my belt up. Oh, wait a minute, this is not, not worrying about all these things to be distracted so he can put his focus on the battle, so he can put his focus on his opponent, so he doesn't have to be thinking about it. When our core is strong, when we know we have the armor and it builds our confidence and be, makes us courageous, then we can fight and concentrate on the fight. We can concentrate on our opponent's moves. If you follow me, we could see if he's going to slip any kind of punch in on me. I'm ready to counter move off. He might get me in the head, and the, but I'm going to come back and try to counter punch him. He attacks. See, Satan, that's what he does. He attacks the mind. He attacks the intellect. He attacks our emotions. You know you and I are in trouble when we start to say, I feel, I feel, I feel, I feel, I feel. But God never called us to emotions or feelings. If that's the case, I don't think anybody would be in this building right now. God didn't call us to that. He called us to commitment. The fight is a commitment. It's going to hurt. Remember I said last week, agone, part of the fight, the word is pain. It's like when Clubber Lane was asked, what's your prediction of this fight? Pain. That's what he said, pain, because it's going to be painful to fight. When we think it's supposed to be convenient and easy, it's because we have a Western mindset on us thinking that we're supposed to be comfortable. But God never called us to comfort. He called us to commitment and courage. 
Satan will attack our minds and he'll say things like, you're a mistake, you're a failure. No wonder why your parents yelled at you so much. You're the worst believer on the planet. No one messes up like you. Well, no one's going to like you now after that mess up. <laughs> God can't use you. You're useless. Satan will throw and taunt us. He attacks our mind. And we as believers need to know that we're fitted in righteousness because he's the accuser. He's the adversary. He's the liar. And he'll attack us in ways. He'll come in a way that will just sliver in and try to attack your mind. All it takes is us failing once and then he'll say, you're just a failure. I could tell you that one about my parents yelling at me. I still struggle with that when I'm 51 years old. They had every right to, but it damaged me at times. And I have to fight. But praise God, he set me free. That I don't have to sit there and receive it. I move on in Christ's name. But here's the thing. This is where our righteousness is. For our sake, 2 Corinthians 5.21 he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that, in order that, in him we might become this righteousness of God. We did not deserve it, but God, we're not worth it. But yet he says, yes, you are. I died for you. And so that is our righteousness. We're covered. That's our defense. We're covered with the blood of Jesus. And our position is we stand firm in it and stand against the schemes of the devil in the name of Jesus. We can stand strong and tall. We can have our shoulders back, our head up, ready to go, on our toes, balance and rhythm, because we know that we're covered with the blood. That's where we have to fight. We can't cower up. We have to tell him no in the name of Jesus. So when he says to me, you know, you really are messed up. You're a sinner. You're right, Satan. I am messed up. That's why Jesus came to die for me. And I'm covered with the blood. And I have things God has to work on me, but I thank God that I'm not the same that I was 30 years ago. I'm changed. I'm transformed. I'm different. And God can use that in me. He can use a messed up individual for his glory. Because you see it throughout the scriptures, but he'll always attack us and accuse us. And so it's important to see, even in 1 John 5, 13, it says, I write these things. And he knew Jesus. He was one of the closest ones to him as an apostle. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. He's trying to make a defense for the Son of God against Gnosticism. That you may know that you have eternal life. That you may know, be confident and courageous in it. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So we stand strong in our offense. So our offense is we counterpunch and say, no, I'm covered with the blood. It's my defense. But we also say, I'm going to be bold in Jesus. You know, the, as I said earlier, what was the offense for the soldier? The breastplate with the sun reflecting, blinding the enemy. You know how we blind the enemy? With scripture, Amen. with confidence, with courage. Third thing, we counterpunch our contender by being comfortable in our shoes. We be comfortable in our shoes. You know, the other day, uh, I was doing some walking. My wife and I did a lot of walking, and then I fell into, you know, a little bit of vertigo. It's starting to get better. But uh, I was going crazy walking a lot, but I was walking in old shoes, and it wasn't comfortable. And I noticed that what I was doing was I was leaning when I was walking. My wife would even say, you're leaning up a little bit in your shoulders. I would lean forward. That's how I walk sometimes because my shoes are not strong and stabilized. 
So I just bought a new pair of sneakers, and I felt great yesterday walking in them. I had my shoulders back, my head was up, and I was noticing. I was like, yeah, I'm walking. Yes, indeed, and I'm talking, just you and me. And I'm, and I'm all excited, and I'm walking. I'm like, I'm stabilized. My feet are strong. I'm comfortable, and I can feel my core and all my body. And it sounds like I'm, you know, selling shoes right now in an info commercial. But here's the thing, though. I was strong, walking comfortably in my shoes. And I wasn't thinking about anything else. I wasn't disturbed or distracted. See, when the soldier, he was in there, he had to wear a certain kind of shoes. They were made of brass, but they had something else beside the shoe. They had a greave. A greave was a metal protective gear going from the knee down to the upper part of your foot. And the shoes were made, were made of brass, but they had leather straps over to protect because on the bottom of the shoes, they had three-inch Spikes, <laughs> and so they were called killer shoes. You can go up and just spike someone on the foot and kill them. So soldiers would wear that for traction to be able to move around so that they wouldn't have to be distracted by anything else and focus on the battle, focus on their opponent. But the bottom of these shoes, though, were shotted on, as you would see in one of your versions there, that when it talks about in, in Ephesians 6.15, it says that your shoes are for your feet, having put on the readiness given. It's like the shotting of the feet in one of the versions, NASB. And the shotting of the feet was to tie and bind it beneath, to make it strong, and, and that they can feel like their feet are, are, are fitted on them so they could walk with stabilization. And Paul wasn't just emphasizing the shoes he was saying that our feet need to be protected and covered from someone else coming in and just stamping on their feet. So the brass was used to protect that. That metal and the brass and the metal coming together conform to make that shoe strong and protective for the soldier. That's what God does for us. But this shoe is the gospel of peace. And the gospel of peace is what protects us. There's two ways of seeing this in the peace. There's a positional peace and a practical peace. In our position, we know that our position in Christ gives us peace because God established peace through him and man through his son, Jesus Christ. Even as we see that in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14 and 16, he says, For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in the flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in him himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. So our peace is established we have, we have strength. We have protection. God is our fortress. He's the one who protects us. But then you have your practical peace. And peace means a state of being in the midst of struggles and difficulties, in the midst when the enemy's attacking us, in the midst of our, our struggles inwardly, our fear, our worry, our inabilities, our inadequacies, when we don't know if we can go on and we have our emotions that are overwhelming us. It's when God says, let the peace of God rule in your hearts in Colossians 3.15. And when it does, it's because the peace is already established. So when you're in the ring, you don't have to say, God, please give me peace right now. You have it. God, let me stand in the peace you already given to me. 
when you ask for God and you say, sorry, Lord, for my sin, you don't have to ask for forgiveness. You already have forgiveness. you got to confess your sin. When you confess your sin, you're agreeing with God. What he calls sin is sin. And so the same thing with our peace, we already have it. We just got to know how to get it. It's at our disposal. It's there already established in Christ. We got to know how to use our armor so that when we're in the struggle and the difficulty, we can do that. Now, again, peace is not avoidance of problems. But not having peace, on the flip side of the coin, not having peace doesn't mean Satan's always attacking you. Let's be careful of that too. There's a balance there as well. Because sometimes we don't have peace because we might be living in sin. We're not asking, we're not confessing our sin before God. We're rationalizing it. Sometimes we're walking in sin and we don't even think because everyone else accepts it. Or sometimes we're just not at peace because we're apathetic. We're just not giving our very best to God. We're not trained. We're not efficient. We're not effective because we're just, we're apathetic. We give in to the culture around us and we're saying, wait a minute, this is a fight. I got to stand strong. When you're in your job, you give your best. When you're working in the military, you give your best. I hope when you're in a fight, you're fighting someone for your life, you're going to give your best. Because in the first century, when they fought, it wasn't for sport. They actually killed one another. They mangled each other. Their, forms were, their faces were disformed. But when you're fighting, you give your best. With God, sometimes we just don't give our best because we're living in sin. We don't even know it. But when we confess it, he is faithful and just, will forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So the fight is that we have to be comfortable in our shoes with stability because we have the peace of God for the fight. See, we have to know how to fight. We have to know that we have it because here's the key. When we know we are more than overcomers or conquerors in Christ because of who, what Jesus has done and who Jesus is in the ring, our counterpunch is going to sting. Remember, if you're standing there strong and you're bold, and you're confident, and you're courageous, and you know that you have your core set because you're in the word of God and you're surrendering and submitting to God, then you and I, when we counterpunch Satan, it's going to sting. You might be like, wait a minute, Bruno, you really think it's going to sting Satan, the ancient serpent? Yes. Why? Because the scripture says it very clear. Let's look at the scripture. The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. Stated very simply, that death is what separates us from God. And there's a sting there <clears throat> that Jesus took care of. He overcame death through his blood, through the resurrection. He overcame Satan. He overcame the power of sin, the penalty of sin, and ultimately the presence of sin. We have an overcomer. His name is Jesus and we who are in Christ are positioned in Christ. We stand firm. We who are in Christ, we draw from his strength with his armor. He's given to us. We've got to know how to use it. And when we punch him, we sting him because we could tell him, I'm no longer living in the kingdom of darkness, Satan. I now live in the kingdom of the one who loves me. My, the son of God. That's why he goes on to say this, but thanks be to God who gives me, gives us, gives you the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the victory. We just sang it. 
We just sing three songs, and each one of them showing victory with confidence and power. It's not about what I feel. I don't sing because I feel good. I sing because I know my God has overcome everything pertaining to life and God. I have everything I need. He's overcome anything that I have ever tried to take and tackle. He can do it through me. All I have to do is surrender. It's not about me. And so he goes on to say this, Therefore, my beloved brethren, my brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. You got to know that when you're in the ring, you stand tall, shoulders back, head up, ready to box, ready to fight, ready to jab. You have everything you need. You have the, the girdle of truth, the, the belt of truth. You have the breastplate of righteousness, and you have the feet, the feet that give you the peace, the shotting of the feet. And to protect you. We're going to talk next week about the other three that's on the armor of God. But as we fight, let's fight courageously, knowing that our strength is in the Lord. So many Christians today are, are fighting in fear. They're fighting like they're victims. But you and I are victorious. We don't have to feel it. I can guarantee you when Paul was writing this, he wasn't feeling it. Most of his writings were done in prison. He probably felt defeated at times, but he didn't go about what he felt. He knew his commitment was to Christ. And that's how we, we have to stop basing it on feeling and start being strong and fighting. Would you fight for your kids? I want to hear a big amen. No, nah, you guys not. Come on. Would you fight for your kids' lives? Still can't convince me. Will you fight for your kids' lives? How much more would you fight for Jesus? Because we love our children. But God loves us far too much, and he loves our children more than we could ever love them. It's time to fight. And I want to encourage you this week. Study this passage. Read it over. Each day I pray. I've been praying for 30 years. Oh, God, place this armor on me in the name of Jesus the helmet of salvation, the sword of your word, the shield of faith, the girdle of truth, shouting in the free, the breastplate of righteousness, the fight off the fiery darts of the devil in the name of Jesus. Because he's firing every, all kinds of darts at my head. And I need to surrender to God and fight with my armor. I want to invite you to do the same this week. Would you study Ephesians chapter 6, 10 through 18, and just look through it because we're going to have a couple more weeks in there. We want to fight together for the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Father, I pray that we would be warriors. I pray that we would get in a ring and realize that we're not going to cower back down or go in the corner or give up and run out of the arena. But I pray that, Lord, your people, are, all of us, Lord, would stand strong, fight strong, Lord, in the name of Jesus placing the armor of God on us. Lord, you've made it clear. You've provided everything we need for this fight. All we got to do is put it on. And I pray that you would teach us how to do so in prayer. Lord, I know that what's happened in my last three or four weeks, I've been praying, and I've seen you do a work. God, thank you for even changing me and giving me a new perspective as I've studied this for years, but you've given me a new perspective. And Lord, I pray that we would fight strong in the name of Jesus. So Lord, thank you for what you're already going to do in advance. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.